The Packers have done what every fan was waiting for. They have moved on from special teams coordinator Maurice Strayton. But in the process, we have to ask even larger questions about why this is a problem Green Bay can't seem to fix. You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. You can follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Lily Zhao on the show today will get to her coming up in just a little bit. But let's start with the breaking news. The Packers have parted ways with Maurice Strayton, the special teams coach for the disastrous, the last ranked Packers special teams, the one that cost them a chance at the Super Bowl or at least a chance at another NFC championship game against the 49ers. And this is not where it ends. This Packers team has not been good on special teams for basically at least a decade. Remember, they were not a good special teams in 2010 when they won the Super Bowl. That was a team we were afraid the special teams would scuttle their chance to win games. 2014 NFC Championship game, the Packers special teams was what let them down, what cost them that game. Fake field goal touchdown and the onside kick heard round the world. That is multiple, multiple special teams coordinators ago. So while I don't think it is quite to the point, we have seen a number of people on the beat try to diffuse blame about what happened last year. Some of the mistakes that were happening were just inexcusable. And I don't think you can say Oh, well, he didn't have the right players. They changed the punter. They changed the long snapper. They they tried to, to put starters out there. But Tyler Lancaster had been standing like a statue, leaving the, leaving the door open as the wing on the kick team all season. There had been miscommunications and blocking issues all season. This was a repeated problem. This was a coaching problem. Bad kicks, bad holds, bad snaps, bad discipline and alignment, bad blocking, people not knowing where to be. That stuff is on the coaches. That stuff is on Maurice Strayton. And I said this on Twitter. I hope people can find a way to be happy that what the, that the best thing for the team is is what happened, while understanding the humanity of a person who was beloved in the locker room and well liked among the media. Everyone liked Mo Drayton, the coach. Everyone liked Coach Mo. Sometimes these difficult decisions need to be made, and I hope we're able to recognize his humanity in all of this. Someone just lost his job. That sucks. And there does not need to be any grave dancing in all of this. 
There is, there really is nothing good about this because it means that for another year, the Packers special teams was so bad that they now have to start over and find a new special teams coach. Now, there are a number of good options out there that they could go look at. The uh, The easiest one is Rick Pisaccia, who was just the, the coach in Las Vegas, the interim coach. And there are, there are some other qualified candidates out there. We don't even need to get down that road for now. The Packers, though, need to take a look inward a bit. They need to be able to say something about what we're doing institutionally is contributing to this. Because it's not like teams around the league are playing way more starters on special teams. Although Matt LaFleur said he would investigate what percentage of other teams are using starters on special teams relative to the Packers. It is more about are we allocating enough resources to this as an organization? Is Matt LaFleur taking a big enough role in all of this? Is there enough practice time allocated to it? The problem is there's only so many hours in the day. It is very difficult to spend as much time as Green Bay does on things like the two-minute drill and the red zone and third down and Go over everything on special teams. Is there something about the kinds of players that you're drafting? The Packers are a high, high athlete preference team. They want big, strong, fast. So you would think that would be good on special teams. They want smart players. You think that that would, that would lend to people doing their job correctly. And this is not a team that was highly penalized last season, that turned the ball over last season, or that missed tackles last season by and large. They didn't blow assignments constantly, uh, at least, you know, in the back end. There were some issues along the, the front in terms of blocking. But part of that was continuity. Part of that was a rookie right guard. So uh, uh, it is it is really a, a bizarre thing. And, and I think that's why ultimately it came back to the coach. Because the Packers have the athletes to be a better special teams than they were. Matt LaFleur wanted to move on from Amari Rogers. And then Randall Cobb goes out there and he biffs a punt. Well, that's not on Modre, and that's on Randall Cobb. They lost Kylan Hill, who was supposed to be their kick returner. Amari Rogers has to go out and do that. Amari Rogers was bad. They drafted Amari Rogers to be the returner. He was immediately the returner, the punt returner. They allocated resources to it. To try and make it better. Brian Gutekinds, a couple years ago, drafted a punter and drafted a long snapper. Neither of those worked out. They have tried to allocate resources to it. Now, it would help if you had a Matt Taub as your coordinator or a Darren Rizzi as your coordinator. We don't actually know why Rizzi was not ultimately hired by Green Bay, though there has been reporting and then further speculation that it was about money, that the Packers were not willing to pay what Rizzi felt like he was owed to come to Green Bay. And I am someone who has always said, and much like I did with the run defense, just don't be historically bad. And then in a playoff game, they were historically bad. I don't, special teams, like we, we talk about special teams, like there are three phases of the game and they're all equal. They are not. It is not one third, one third, one third. It is like 
half offense, 35 to 40% defense, and 10% special teams. If for no other reason, then most teams should be more aggressive going for it than kicking it in situations where they have been. Traditionally, people should be going for two more often than they do traditionally. So this is this is just one of those things that fits into all of that. But the Packers, I, I'm not advocating for them to go out and sign veteran linebackers just to play special teams. They don't have the resources to do that. This is a team that just had to move financial mountains to bring back the core of their team. Core players, starters, Billy Turner, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, Mason Crosby. Now Mason, probably not going to be back. Is it going to be J.J. Molson? Is it gonna, are they going to draft a kicker? Evan McPherson looked pretty dang good for the Bengals. That can work, but there's for every, you know, McPherson, there's a Roberto Aguayo who was awful. And the and the Vikings drafted Daniel Carlson and they cut him after, what, three games, four games? And then he, he turns out to be a clutch performer for the Raiders and has been an awesome kicker for them. Some of this stuff doesn't really make any sense sometimes. But it's not like the Packers need to prioritize a Matthew Slater type player. But you go back to the mid-90s when that team was really good. They had good special teams. Desmond Howard, Lamont Hollingquest. They had guys who were core special teamers. Who are the core special teamers on this group? Part of the reason we don't have a good answer for that is because no one is any good at it. No one has been good at it. So how do you say, okay, this guy, we know what he is and he's going to be this for us. Oren Burks is the closest thing. And to the point where they they have found other ways to use him. Equinemius St. Brown turned into a core special teamer as a, as a gunner and, and as a, a kick coverage player. But they could not get the blocking figured out. They ended up having to put starters on the on the kick uh the kick team, but not enough. Snapper is still an issue. There were there were um mechanical issues with the snap and the hold. Corey Bohorquez and Mason Crosby not on the same page in part because the snaps were wonky. These are the physical problems. What the Packers need to do though is take a full inventory. So while I think some of the blame has been unfairly taken away from someone like Maurice Strayton, it is the case, and I think importantly so, that this is bigger than the coach. Because the Packers can't stop firing special teams coaches. And at a certain point, you have to wonder why that is. And it it is the case. The coaching has been bad. They have not been able to find the right special teams coach. But it's also the case that there must be something more. There must be something institutionally wrong with the way that they treat special teams. That prevents them from doing the baseline. To just be just be average. If the Packers are just average at special teams this season, they are in the Super Bowl. I have no doubt of that. If the Packers are just average at special teams in the 2014 NFC Championship game, they are probably Super Bowl champions. They got, they got very lucky in 2010 that the special teams never came out, never beat them in that playoff run. It did in this one. And you have to investigate every avenue to try and get better.
Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues through the playoffs right into the big game in a couple weeks. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just football. Bet Online has up to the minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real time updates on current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet Online, where the game starts. Joining me now for another off-season edition of a show that we thought we were going to be talking about actual football on for the second straight week. We have to we have to say this because it's true from Fox 6 in Milwaukee. Lily Zhao, Zhao, you doing? Hey, Peter. Um, I'm doing good. I thought we would, yeah, still be talking about some playoff football, potentially some Super Bowl talk. You know, we're all headed out to sunny, sunny L.A., but, you know. We'll enjoy the game on our toasty couches. Well, at least I will. Uh, but I'm doing well. Doing well. Is that how you doing? I'm good. I will be in L.A. for the week, for Super Bowl week, but I will be back home for the game. So I will be on my toasty couch as well. I also uh, did not have $6,500 to drop on a ticket. That is what the low <laughs> ticket right now at SoFi is. Holy cow. I saw a, a story about a guy who is selling parking permits to a lot he didn't own for like 200 bucks which is just terrific. Uh, let's let's dig into uh, the news of the day just before we started recording. Uh, luckily, just before, not just after, because that has happened to us many times, it seems. Uh, the Packers decide they're going to move on from Maurice Strayton. I noticed, and this is something we talked about in the open, that from some people on the beat, there has been this move to distance Coach Strayton, Coach Mo. Uh, from the blame in all of this, or to at least spread it around, uh, what let's call it a a blame pie. What share of the blame pie, and the pie can be filled with whatever you'd like. In this case, probably something gross, probably a meat pie, because you don't want it. You don't want the big share. Uh, does Coach Drayton deserve in all of this? Oh, that's a tough question. I I love Coach Mo. Um, phenomenal person. Just to answer your question, you know, when you are the, you know, the, the main guy coaching special teams, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to say 50, 50, you know, he's the coach, he takes the responsibility, but at the end of the day, it's not like this season was the end all be all in special teams being bad. It's been bad for last decade and a half. It seems it's been bad for a long time. I mean, this is the, he's the third guy in the last four years that have, that will hold this position. So it's more of a bigger problem than just coach Mo, you know, players have talked about how much they admire him saying it's, it's not his thing, but when you look at it, it's what's the issue, you know, is it a culture change that we need? Is it just veteran players being on special teams more? Just what is it? And then you have to look at the front office, you know, there are some tweets saying, you know, that he didn't really have those guys, those key guys that he needed to, be successful in that department. So I, I can't say it's all his fault. He's not the one playing the game. He's not the one bringing all these guys in, but he is still the the main man. So while it stinks that he couldn't get it done, it's there's just a lot of blame to go around as to why special teams has been an issue for the last decade. Yeah, it, at a certain point, it does feel like the organization is the is the guy in the hot dog suit meme saying we're all looking for the guy responsible for this because the organization. This has been an issue, as you mentioned, for a decade and a half. And so I do think there needs to be some sort of reckoning because I, I think you're right in that 
is not 100% on Coach Drayton. It can't be because if it was 100% on Ron Zook, they replaced Ron Zook and there's still problems. And then it was Sean Menenga and he got replaced and there's still problems. So it can't just be that. There has to be a, a looking inward of like, institutionally, how can we, as the Packers organization, fix this? I don't know. I, I think that's a really difficult question to answer right now. It is, because when you look at the issues that they've had, they haven't really had that electric returner. I know there was talk earlier in the year, Amari Rogers, you know, to his credit, has done the best he's could, but he has struggled in his rookie season especially on special teams. And that's kind of where they really needed his spark and they didn't get it. You know, you have a guy like David Moore who played really well in one game he was in, then he was, you know, COVID practice squad, never really brought backups. And maybe he might've been kind of a, you know, a plug in there for the special teams, at least for this season, but they just don't have that electric returner. There's always flags. It's what's the discipline, you know, why are they always getting penalized in special teams? You know, they can't block. So it's, there's just a lot of issues outside of just the head coach being the main one. It's also weird because they are undisciplined in ways that other parts of the team are not. So it's not like they have undisciplined players, right? Like the offense, this has been, they've been one of the least penalized teams in the Matt LaFleur era. They have been the most diligent team avoiding turnovers in the Matt LaFleur era. Last year, they were one of the best tackling teams in the league. So it's just sort of like, what is going on? It's all very bizarre. Um, I, I don't want to just focus on that part of it because we're going to get a resolution to all of this and maybe they'll be better. Maybe they won't next year. I don't know how you're going to be hopeful if you're a Packers fan at this point that it is in fact going to be better. Um, but let's go to some of the other coaching decisions. The offense, they've essentially said, we're just going to move everyone up a rung. And and now, you know, Jason Vrabel has an elevated role as the passing game coordinator, Luke Butkus, offensive line. Uh, do you have any concern of a, a stagnation in, in this case where you're just sort of let's hey, let's bring it back with presumably a really talented coach, Nathaniel Hackett, walking out the door? There's always that concern. Uh, but when you look at, you know, Coach Stenovich, who got. Nathaniel Hackett's job as the offensive coordinator, it's still, you know, in-house, they still have the same system. It's not like you're bringing in a, a different voice. That's kind of going to have a different philosophy than what these guys are used to. You know, I, it, it is just very perplexing how you have really the same crew of guys this past season, and they just were not as efficient as they were in 2020 offensively, yeah. especially on that opening drive. I will say, though, you know, it's still, you know, the same coaching philosophy. It's still the same guys in house who are getting an elevated role. And maybe, you know, that elevated role is what one of these guys needs to really excel. And that could be the difference offensively this year. But I don't think it's going to be a concern, per se. Um, again, whether or not Aaron Rodgers comes back or not is going to be a really big indication of where this offense will go. But I do believe that having a guy like Steno, especially in house, the Packers be able to keep him. I think that's going to be a really big key for this uh Offense, but again, Luke gets you going to Chicago, trying to mold, you know, Justin Fields. That's going to be kind of a, a very interesting thing to see moving forward as well in the division. Switching gears here a little bit because it's something that I wrote about for the leap uh, today, and that is this idea of of Jordan Love's future. And and I think Jordan Love is inexplicably tied to the the Packers' decision on Aaron Rodgers, um, Aaron Rodgers' decision on Aaron Rodgers, which we're all still waiting for with bated breath. And there has been this um, 
notion from some fans and some media people that Jordan Love hasn't shown anything. I am personally of the mind that we don't we we do not have enough information to make a decision on what Jordan Love has or hasn't shown. But I have seen some things and I wrote about them for the leap. In terms of flashes, I mean, do you feel like you've seen some things that make you say, okay, well, if that is something that he can do over and over again or consistently, then yeah, this is this is the guy. Like, have you seen enough of just those little glimmers to say, okay, if if this is who he is, there's something here. Yeah, I definitely think so. Because again, you're not going to bring in, you know, a guy that maybe might be good to replace a future Hall of Fame quarterback. You know, they brought him in for a reason. They they traded up to get him for a reason. I do believe it's it has not really helped in terms of how his NFL career has started. It's the COVID year. Things are a lot different in terms of protocol. He doesn't get any sort of offseason work his rookie season. And then you have the whole thing with Aaron Rodgers, which, again, is not his fault. It just was the situation he fell in. So in terms of just being a young quarterback, the eyes on you have already just really heightened. And you're like, hey, man, I just got drafted. This is where I've been. It's not my problem, but it kind of is like, you know, you got to really take ownership of this is his platform now, which is not as fair to say if he was just, you know, drafted to another team with a different quarterback situation. But to your, to your question, though, Peter, watching him in those preseason games, watching him in the limited time that he's been on the field this season – You know, I do believe that like his footwork is getting better. It hasn't exponentially improved, but I do believe when he's kind of on the run, when he's scrambling, when he can keep his eyes downfield, he hasn't made those big plays that I think a lot of people assumed he would be able to. But I I do believe just having, you know, constant work with the ones is going to help him exponentially. And there are still times when you feel like, well, maybe he's not reading the defenses that well, but again, he's still young. I do believe he still has very good upside, but it's just a matter of are we going to see it even this season? Let's say Aaron Rodgers is somewhere else next year. And the Packers are able to retain most of what this team is. Let's just say they're able to tag and extend Devontae Adams, but Aaron Rodgers decides for whatever reason he'd like to be somewhere else. And Devontae agrees to stay. 17 games. What do you think is a reasonable expectation for this Packers team, because yes, they'll go through free agency. They don't have money to sign anyone. Uh, They'll go through the draft. We won't have any idea if those guys are good yet. So let's just think of like how we're going to look at this team in May. What do you think reasonable expectations for a Jordan Love Packers team would be? Oh, that's a tough one to answer. I would say. And one um, the Packers are going to have to get a question to maybe sooner than later. Right. Uh, Yeah. I don't want to sound like a pessimist, but I, I maybe on the high end, you get like a 10 and seven season going That's exactly the number I had in my head. Yeah. I was thinking 10 and seven, keep it easy. Keep it simple for him. You have a good running game, your offensive line, barring whatever happens with Dalton Jenkins, you got David on your left side. They're still going to be good. Keep it simple. You know, do those RPOs. Well, just get some motion in the offense. He'll make things happen with his feet. He's got a good arm. It's just more of a, and then when you invest in your defense, we've talked about it, that as well in this podcast, invest in the defense. Um, they should be okay. They should be fine. But again, it's not like this team is going to be launched into another Super Bowl run, but maybe I'll be eating my words later. I don't know. Um, but I would say potentially a 10 and seven season is, is pretty reasonable. And I, I think, I think you would do backflips for 10 and seven. If you were the Packers okay. and Jordan love, I mean, just, especially the Packers were a six win team in 2008 in the first year of Aaron Rodgers. Um, I, I want to get back to this idea with Adam Senovich. Cause it's something that, that I, 
have seen discussed and I've thought about, but, but I haven't seen addressed directly with coach Steno. And that is the last two playoff runs. The Packers have made these decisions at offensive line. Billy Turner moves to left tackle. They bring in the backup right tackle. I felt like last year, the smarter thing was to keep Elton Jenkins uh, at move Elton Jenkins to tackle and play Billy Turner at tackle. And a similar thing against the 49ers play Yash Nijman at left tackle and keep Billy Turner at right tackle. Do those mistakes such that you think they are, and you might not, um, do they do they color anything about what you think of Adam Stenovich as a, a potential offensive coordinator here? I don't think so. And, you know, that was asked to Matt LaFleur, do you guys, do you regret kind of, you know, mm-hmm. that you've made up front considering how well the Niners just really took over in the trenches? Because when we saw them play back in week three, it was a completely different story. And they had these guys still playing up front as well without David and Yash, you know, played really well in that game as well. I don't think it's going to color or just kind of change my view of how he will be doing moving forward as offensive coordinator. Again, you live and you learn, right? You'll learn, well, maybe it wasn't the best decision to have these guys and there's, and there are certain positions in that NFC title game, considering how well this Niners pass rush was and how well they dominated that game. But I think what Steno brings to this team is just, you know, I, I think the players love him, which is going to be the top key because you want your guys to love the coach you have. He has learned so well under, you know, Nathaniel and, and Matt LaFleur. And I think he brings the same offensive philosophy, but his own kind of flair to it. The guys have talked about, I mean, Aaron, I even asked Aaron Rodgers early in the year and he, about Steno. And he said, I feel like he's going to be a head coach one day. So yeah. these guys really have a lot of praise for him. And, and so I think he's going to do really well in that role. How much we, we got this this report from Ian Rappaport uh, that Rogers stayed around um, the, after the season to talk to Matt Lafleur about you know the future and the plans, and I don't know maybe I was uh, extrapolating a little bit, but I felt like okay, they they have a pretty good idea at that point. Nathaniel Hackett is a front runner for this Broncos job. You would think that. Adam Stenovich, as the offensive coordinator, was discussed between Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, right? Like, we have to believe that Rodgers, at the very least, was, like, okay with this move. Like, they wouldn't make this move without the sign-off of the quarterback, would they? You would have to believe so. I I, I think so. You know, it's not like – I can't imagine in that meeting that his name was not brought up and that position was not brought up at all. Um Again, this was kind of his whole plan, right? Rodgers said he's going to really take time to digest. He wanted to talk with the front offense. Goody, especially, that was part of the plan. I I do believe that him sticking around and really hashing it out is there's still some positive and and some optimism there. Um, Or maybe it's just a time where he's thinking, you know what? I'm taking the high road. I'm just going to discuss everything with you guys. We'll, you know, we'll leave on peaceful terms and, Granted, their communication or his communication with Goody and everybody in the front office has been a lot better. So you have to believe that either it's we're working on a way to get you to come back to Green Bay or he's saying, you know what, I'm taking the high road. I've enjoyed my time here. Let's just end things on a peaceful note. So kind of not sure, obviously, how that uh, how that uh, discussion went. But, you know, when you hear Matt LaFleur saying that him. Yeah, that's right. Add the add the tally. I got it. I got it. I had to add it to the tally. We're going. Uh, when you when you hear Matt Lafleur saying him, uh, Russ Ball, you know Mark Murphy and uh, Brian Gutekunst are all in kind of on the same thought of having Rodgers back or wanting to have him back, that says something. Again, who knows? Who knows, Peter? 
I don't know, but there's still, there's still optimism out there. That's for sure. I, it, who knows is unfortunately the theme of this off season right now. Um, and I, and I made the joke the other day that it's not a beautiful mystery. It is, it is a gut wrenching mystery that, that I think a lot of people are, are hoping we can get the answer to sooner rather than later. Luckily, Aaron Rodgers said that we will when that sooner is, we don't know. We just know it's going to be on Pat McAfee show. So cool. Great. Uh, Lily, will you stick around for one or two more of these before the, the season ends? Yeah, of course. I'd love to. All right. Awesome. We will talk to you next week and enjoy a week off of football. Blah. It's so, I don't like it. I don't like it, Peter. Well, we're going to have to get used to it because we're about to have a lot more of them. I know. All right. I want to thank Lily for joining the show. We added another $10 to the obviously charity drive. We will pay that at the end of the season. One of the reasons why I wanted to make sure Lily came on a couple more times is a couple more opportunities for us to uh, provide for charity. Thanks to everyone who makes Lockdown Packers their first listen of the day. I hope you enjoy spending your day with us and starting your day with us just as much as we enjoy starting our day with you. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. I said this the other day. I bought some of the coconut brownie again after I had them probably about a year ago and had been waiting for them to come back. It is hard for me to describe to you how good they are. And I had almost forgotten. It is, they are unbelievable. And, and all of their flavors taste really great. You just have to find your favorites. But the best part is that they're, they're legitimately fuel for your body in a way that can be guilt-free, low in calorie, low in net carb, low in sugar, yet high in protein and high in fiber. They're the perfect thing pre or post workout. Even if you're not a workout person, they're a great snack to have on the go, a great thing to take to the airport with you or on your way to work. If you're going into the office, if you're not at home, it is very easy to look in your cabinet and see all the the junk maybe that you have. I always have a couple things in there that I'm like, okay, I just need a little treat. Built Bar is a great salve for that. When you do not have to reach for the chips or the cookies, you can still reach for something that tastes delicious and fuel your body right. And you can use the promo code LOCKS15 to get 15% off at Built.com. I want to thank everyone again who's been a part of Locked on Packers this season. Um, It has been, we did our best January ever, despite the fact that the Packers lost. Um, And we continue to grow. We continue to expand this wonderful community. And I want to thank everyone who has helped make that happen. Thanks to everyone who has supported The Leap with Jason and I. Um, and we are really grateful for this community. And uh, I, I don't express my gratitude enough for that. And so um, that's my bad. I'm, I'm going to try and do it more. And, and we're going to try and bring you even more new and exciting content all off season. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.